Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Friday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the show with me today, Ryan the Boy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry is back with us as we are inside our studios today for the show. It is an awesome week so far this week. We've been in Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Got home late last night and uh, back in the office today to bring you one final edition of Sports Call this week before we all get to celebrate the weekend. I want to say thank you again to all the folks behind the scenes who kept us on the air, who put the sales efforts together to get us on location there in Atlanta SCC Media Days. Thank you again to all of the Southeastern Conference PR staffs for the hospitality from the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. And a big, big, big thank you to uh, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy for their hard work and efforts all week long there in the ATL. If you haven't done so already, check out our website, thetiger.fm. Ryan had recaps every single day. Wrote them up to tell you the big things you need to know from each and every day of SEC Media Days. And then also make sure you check out our Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. If you missed any other show or any of our awesome interviews, 22 interviews over four days, incredible work put in by our staff. You could find all of those on the Sports Call Podcast. Let's start with Ryan and Brooks first. Gentlemen, we're back at home. We're inside the office today. Uh, We're taking fewer steps. As my Apple Watch quickly reminds me, I'm not as productive as I have been the past few days. Uh, But uh, here we are. It's good to see you guys again. I mean, if you want, we can, like, walk between radio stations here and pretend it's radio. (laughs) (laughs) We could do that. We We could could do that. Uh, and before 4.15, I can walk outside and act like and get Brooks to go out there with me and act like I'm ushering in Brian Matthews to the <laughs> studio, yeah. uh, that type of thing. But, uh, yeah, definitely had a, a great week in Atlanta. Um, it was, I thought, a uh, more organized version of, of 2018. Not that 2018 was disorganized, but um, to have Radio Row in the Hall of Fame as well. So it was a uh, right on top of the, the main media area was good. And it was good to make some new connections and, and see all the different radio stations there. And also just to see all the league's head coaches. There's not a lot of opportunities to see everyone in the league, and especially not at one time. So it was good to just be immersed in SEC football. I know that we try and talk a lot of different things on the show, especially in the off season, but now we're – really starting to turn the corner and and head towards football and it's just a you know month and a week away essentially uh or at least from week zero and uh it's it's getting exciting and we we talk about it for a long time for just a short amount of action it seems like but uh obviously the the polls were released today from the sec so i'm sure sir we'll talk about that but 
it was really good to be there. Had a good time with you guys. Appreciate Cam and Brant uh, being at the station, uh, taking care of everything back here, and I uh, couldn't do it without them. So, yeah, it was a good week overall. Uh, it came and went. It felt like it flew by, no but kidding. it was a good time. Brooks? Yeah. Uh, really happy to be back. You know, we had we had a uh, good productive time up there in Atlanta. I always appreciate – uh, the folks at the Omni up there and the College Triple Hall of Fame, that this is the second time, like we've said all week, second time they've put it on the SEC Media Days. So really uh, want to thank them for their hospitality and having everything set up the way it was. And uh, But happy to be back. This is – take you inside baseball a little bit. Uh, when, when we're up there and, you know, I, me and JJ do a lot of the editing, uh, there is some editing we do on his computer, on his personal computer there. But in order to fin- finish everything, get it into so that you can hear it on the air, we've got to go through my computer, through another software that logs into a computer remotely here, and sometimes it doesn't act the best, yeah. and we've got to log oh, back geez. in, log back out. So getting to play with Audition here in the studio or here in the in the office on the actual computer today and just not have it lag or not have it like cut off in the middle of it. Just refreshing. That that's always refreshing. And Fun so, change of pace for you. Yeah, it was uh, got all the work done rather quickly, uh, rather than dragging it out all day long. But um, yeah, happy to be back. Happy to uh, talk to some of our callers this afternoon. And I'll tell you what, you know, we, we're getting to the end of the SEC media days yesterday. We're you know still going to talk heavy SEC media days today. But Braves baseball is back in action tonight. They open up a three game series against the Los Angeles Angels. They're going up against Shohei Otani tonight pitching. Oh, and don't tell me that. It's it's just I wish that they the Angels had put off starting Otani till Sunday. But you get the first half started back going up against Shohei Otani, and it's just. You, I don't know if there's any better baseball to watch tonight than the Braves. That Braves battery versus Joey Otani. Big time stuff there in Atlanta. Braves and Angels. And you're right, Brooks. They're back in action after the All-Star Week. You can listen to those games on AM 1230 right here in the Auburn and Opelika area. We were at SEC Media Days. We turned in ballots for SEC predicted order of finish. All SEC team selections. Alabama picked by the media over 150 voters to win the league, and the Auburn Tigers projected to finish 7th out of 7 in the SEC West. A lot of reaction to that. What does today's show look like? Well, coming up at 4.15, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com will join us as we'll get a full rundown and recap of his opinion on SEC Media Days, getting to be there and what the Auburn Tigers had to say. We'll also let you hear once again from the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey. He will be back on our show. And then our final hour, we will re-air conversations with Brian Harson and then the three Auburn football players that were in attendance. So, with uh, with that being said, I'll now go over to uh, Cam Berry, who's been away from us Ooh. back here in the studio all week long. Cam, thanks for everything you did behind the scenes. How are you doing? Well, I was doing better. Welcome home, by the way, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and then... Brooks just said that Shohei, Shohei Otani was pitching, and um, I'm sorry. I got invited to that game tonight. For I got I had free tickets. Um, oh. Got invited to that game tonight. I was like, I can't. I got to work, and then I'm going to Birmingham to see Lauren tonight. Mm. And Shohei's pitching, so that's very upsetting that I won't be able to see him live. So um, I'll just push through it. It's fine. <laughs> um, but other than that, doing pretty good. Um, you know, just. Uh, a pretty peaceful week for, I guess, for Brent and I, just kind of making sure everything was smooth here. Are you saying we're um, loud? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit. All right, <laughs> fair, tough but fair. Um, uh, but yeah, um, welcome back, gentlemen, and yeah, uh, glad to be back on the show. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun oh, yeah. show, uh, and we'll get to chat with a lot of callers when we're away. Yes, we do not have time. Just we don't have time yeah. to talk with our callers because we've got so many interviews to get through. As I said, twenty-two interviews conducted by Sports Call over the last four days. Uh, and here we are getting a chance to catch up with all of our callers once again. With that being said, let's go ahead and we are going to take our first commercial break of today's program. When we come back, we'll celebrate some birthdays and get to your phone calls. All of that's coming up next here on Sports Call. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm Corey grant former auburn football and nfl running back and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back into Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson here inside the studios with Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress. And uh, we're having a blast. It's been a fun Friday for us here back in the office. Not in Atlanta anymore, uh, but nonetheless, we're still having loads of fun. What we want to do right now as we get set to move forward in our program today is take this opportunity to celebrate our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, birthdays in sports here today on July 22nd, 2022. What do you got, Brooks? All right, we got a couple NFL birthdays, majority NFL birthdays, but we'll start out in the NBA. Turning 60 today is a former NBA shooting guard drafted 7th overall in the 1984 NBA draft to the San Antonio Spurs. Alvin Robertson turning 60 years old. Was drafted, as I said, 1984 out of Arkansas, Woo Pig, a four-time NBA All-Star and NBA Defensive Player of the Year, NBA Most Improved Player, and a three-time NBA Steals Leader. So Alvin Robertson turning 60 years old. On to the NFL birthdays. we got a few of them today. Turning 50 years old is former NFL wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson. He's 50 years old. Goodness gracious. Getting up there. Drafted first overall in the 1996 NFL Draft to the New York Jets out of USC fight on. Super Bowl 37 champion, three-time Pro Bowler, Pop Warner Trophy in 1995, a Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year, also over 10,000 receiving yards and averaged 14, or 13 yards per catch in his career. Keyshawn Johnson turning 50 years old. We keep getting younger. Turning 39 years old today as a former NFL running back, Steven Jackson turning 39. Drafted 24th overall in the 2004 NFL Draft to the St. Louis Rams out of Oregon State. Let's go Beavs. Two-time second-teamer, all-pro. 
and a three-time Pro Bowler, Stephen Jackson, 39. I think he was one of the first big running backs that I, when I got into the NFL, I really latched on to him. I was like, this guy's really good. He's got a great he last name. He's pretty cool. Wow. Okay. Well, um, I was going to say Stephen probably led the NFL in getting tackled by his hair. Like, I feel yeah. like I can recall him getting dragged down by those locks a couple of times. But Did it was it was, it was was good stuff, but it was just like, I, that seems like that's a very painful way to get tackled. Did he have, like, a really short stint with the Falcons? He did. Yes, okay. he did. I thought I remembered that. Yeah, and everybody was so excited, and he just... A little past was, his prime. Yeah, a little past his prime, yeah. To say Happy birthday, Steven Jackson. And then finally, your final birthday for today, turning 27 years old, a running back, a current NFL running back for the Dallas Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott is turning 27. Drafted fourth overall in the 2016 NFL draft by the Cowboys out of OH. I.O. State. First team All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time <laughs> NFL rushing yards leader, ran for 230 yards on 20 carries in the 2015 Sugar Bowl against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Ezekiel Elliott turning 27 years old today, and that is a look at your birthdays in sports. Happy birthday to Alan, Al- Alvin Robertson, Keyshawn Johnson, Stephen Jackson, and Ezekiel Elliott. And of course, it's your birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday indeed, once again. I like the dramatic paper toss. And we're birthdays That's in right. sports. Man, Elliot, just only being 27. I mean, running I backs age so quickly. They do. Because he feels 37. <laughs> he feels Steven Jackson's age I was going to say the same thing. Like, just the way that their bodies just break down so quickly yeah. because they're taking all that contact is just absolutely insane. Happy birthday to all those folks here today again on July 22nd. 334-887-3401. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, will go now to our, our to our Auburn Bank phone lines. And joining us on the program is... Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve has called into Sports Call today. Hi there, Steve. Good afternoon and Ward Damn to Sports Call Auburn. Here we are, War Eagle, sir. I enjoyed every one of your uh, interviews, conversations, you name it, because it felt more like conversation. Uh, they were all just, they were outstanding. So with that said, I hope management is recording this and uh, you guys get a <laughs> nice, nice little bonus because you worked hard for it. Thank you, and Steve. And Mr. Rick Fieldress, please stop the whining and complaining. Uh, what, what was I whining and complaining about? About all the stuff you had to do to transfer this from your computer to that computer. Okay, okay, we get it. <laughs> I, I just had to get it off guys. my chest. Okay, well, okay, enough of that. <laughs> all right, uh, guys, I don't know about you, but uh, I've got my can of Bush's beans. I've got a magic marker and put my name on it. So I am gassed up and ready to go. Yeah, exactly. No kidding. Pun intended. Uh, it was awesome to see Roger McCreary and exciting for him to get that NFL sponsorship already. And uh, thanks again to the folks at Bush's Beans for setting that up for us. Yeah, that was a really uh, – I enjoyed uh, the conversation with Roger. I'm glad he's keeping in contact uh, with the rest of the, uh, the the players. And moving on to some of the interviews, guys, uh, if, if I if I can – and I hope I can trust uh, Mr. Tane Bigsby in his comments to you guys, in which he said, we can win it all, right? Yes, he did. Because the rest of the SC conference and voters say uh, – I guess we're in a good spot. Seventh, is that right? That's where we were predicted. We're in a good spot, yeah. Well, it's uh, interesting commentary, guys, after hearing all the pundits and the voters uh, to put us where where they've got us. 
and uh, that includes you know all the publications. And then it takes amazingly a former Alabama quarterback to say that he thinks he's he, well, not he thinks, but he says that he is bullish on this Auburn team, right? Right. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, I uh, don't know how much time you guys had to listen to the SEC uh, crew. In the war dam, shout out to Mr. Keel Spikes. We finally got an Auburn representative on SEC uh, as an analyst. Yeah, they they had Gene Chizik leave. He went to take the defensive coordinator job at North Carolina and part of their press release and uh, talking to the folks in position and power at the SEC network. They had to find their next Auburn guy. And so to Keel Spikes, it was. Well, I want to get your takes on this, guys, because I listen to the guys' comments about you know who they saw as the most valuable player in offense and defense and. Nikio came up with his five top defenses uh, in the SEC. Did you see whose lists were? I didn't get a chance to do that. No, they were they were downstairs and we were upstairs during the entire week, so we didn't get to, to see much of their content. We were focused on our own. Well, they were Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, okay, Arkansas, and I think it was LSU. I think I don't remember uh, who, but I said, "Wow!" and nobody even discussed. You know, uh, George uh, Auburn, uh, we weren't even mentioned as if we don't have a defense, guys. And uh, I find that uh, just uh, well, disappointing, just, just mildly. What's your takeaway on that, on that, guys? That, you know, we've got some really good returning defensive players on the line and the secondary, but we weren't mentioned by Takeo Spikes, who, who should know some of our, our players, right? But yeah. he doesn't even mention us in the top five. I think he understands that there were some folks that left the team from last season, and not only that, but he's given credit to other defenses in the SEC. The league is loaded. It's absolutely loaded, Steve. And so uh, sometimes Auburn has just not been um, one of the top defenses going into this next season, and I think that's okay. Well, I don't think it's okay because that's one of the things, at least my growing up in uh, Auburn fan, that I've always, you know, uh, admired about Auburn being known as a yeah. Very these are just projections at the end of the day too, and I think there are a lot of really, really talented defensive football players on this team. I think they are going to surprise some people. I wouldn't be surprised if at season's end they were one of the top five defenses in the SEC. But based on what you see with guys returning on other rosters, it makes total sense why you wouldn't regard Auburn's defense as one of the tops in the league. Okay, well, in my logic, it makes no sense. So moving on. Uh, and then they also picked the most valuable player uh, on offense. Do you know who, who uh, Mr. McRoy and who Keel Spikes picked? I would guess Bryce Young for Alabama. No. Who do they pick then? They picked a running back from A and M. Okay, Devin Achain. That was yes. That was uh, from uh, McRoy's pick, and Keel Spikes picked who? Rich Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez Jr. Yeah, oh, yeah, Rich, yeah. Rich Rodriguez, the not old football the, coach. Not Tank, yeah. not Tank, but Chris Rodriguez. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that that was a pretty telling. And then, of course, you know, uh, we had six players, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, picked uh, by the uh, voters uh, for the writers. I guess, is this the writers? Is that who picked for the SEC picks? Um, um, it's actually a, it's a combination of writers, radio, and television. So just whole media all the way around. But, yeah. Uh, TV reporters, writers, and radio personalities get an opportunity to cast a vote. Yes, I guess you saw Tank and Derek was picked for the first team. Right. And then uh, Kobe Wooden and uh, our punter Oscar Chapman picked for second team. Right. I thought this was a little bit of a, kind of to me, a slight to Anders Carlson. Uh, He was only picked in the second team 
um, for the kicker. Right. Uh, Coming off an injury. Yeah. Yeah. And Owen Papo as well. Owen Papo was picked third, third team only. Yeah. I thought, wow. Remember, he didn't Uh, play much last year. He didn't get to play a whole lot last season. I understand that. All right. Uh, So, guys, give me your takeaways uh, about Brian Harson's uh, speech and uh, overall uh, how Auburn, uh, you saw their interviews. Oh, your takeaways uh, from, from that. about. Uh, how Auburn was uh, portrayed. Loved it. Uh, loved how Coach Harson uh, handled the podium, handled the big media room, and there's so many people in there. You're sitting on an artificial turf field. There's a field goal post in the background. I mean, it's just a big football setup with tons of folks in the room, and he controlled the room. It was um, kind of funny that as Commissioner Sankey um, announced him and introduced him, it started immediately pouring rain on top of the facility at the College Football Hall of Fame, which was loud, and Coach Harson had some fun with that as well. But I thought he dominated it. I think he was under aware of the fact that last year he spoke way too long, and uh, this year he turned in one of the shorter opening statements to field all the questions to completely change the narrative and attacked everything head-on. I was a big fan of it. Great. Yeah, I thought he did a really a great job of presenting stuff, and I was really uh, – I, I really admired that he went ahead and didn't wait – for someone to ask it, but he just went ahead and brought it out. Very smart about, of him, because if know, he didn't, he would have gotten a million questions about it. Yeah, and I thought he did a good job. And then I read a column on 247 Sports about uh, the meeting that I did not know had been apparently uh, orchestrated by uh, Derek Hall, uh, Samuel Shanker, Bigsby, Luke Deal, and Carson, Nick Brahms, who went to see Googe and uh, the, the board. Uh, I didn't know that, guys. Did you know that? Yeah, John Samuel Shanker told us a little bit about that on our interview with him yesterday and just talking about how important it was for them to speak up and, and to let the world know that we've got our coaches back. We want him to be our football coach, and we want to play football for Brian Harson. I mean, did you know before you know you had the interview that this had transpired? I knew it was rumored, and I know that some people were talking about it a good bit, but then obviously when you're sitting on Radio Row and one of the players tells you it happens – you feel uh, that that's verified. So, um, yeah. Okay, that was interesting. All right, so uh, I'm feeling uh, more excited than I was previously uh, from last week's call about, about the team. I mean, uh, the, the, the other people, you know, the media, you know, they don't play the games. Uh, Las Vegas doesn't play the damn games. Uh, it's our players. And it sounds like our players from over here in Tank Bigsby talk and uh, from the other players uh, that – there's a lot more chemistry, and they even said it uh, from this team's composition than it was from last year. So that, to me, is much more encouraging, and that they actually seem to really have uh, made a lot of bonding with uh, the, the coaches uh, in their position. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what will Ike Hilliard, you know, do with the development of our receivers because we we really have been, uh, say say the least, uh, we we have really been struggling there. Yes, sir. All right, moving on, guys, real quickly. This would call my attention from the Athletic, uh, actually from uh, uh, the Washington Post, but uh, they had an article from the Athletic. Kyler Murray, you saw what he got, right? Yeah, big extension. Pay. Big pay. That's an understatement. A five-year, $230.5 million deal, and this is the real shocker. I said, oh, my God, $160 million of that is guaranteed to him. Yep. I've never had a job in which someone says, Steve, we don't care if you suck. We're still going to pay you. Yeah, I mean. No, right. But, you know, you look at the Arizona Cardinals situation in that division, you've got two of the most brilliant offensive minds in the in the game in um, 
uh, Kyle Shanahan, and uh, what's the LA coach's name? Oh, Brandon Sean, Sean Yeah, uh, Sean McVay, oh, and oh. and so you've already got two really d- dynamic offenses in the league in that in that division, and you've got a really really good defensive coach in the north of the division with Seattle with Pete Carroll, and so if you've got a guy that you think need uh, is going to be your quarterback for the future, you go ahead and lock him up and go at, you know and and in the long haul when you look at it, they're going to get him at a little bit cheaper rate than if they waited and signed him when his contract was up because you could have another guy go out and get even paid even more. And then you'd have to pay Kyler Murray even more if you you know you, you think about quarterbacks, uh, you know Kirk Cousins at one time was the highest paid quarterback in the league. Indeed, but now you've got other guys that have gone out and gotten higher paid deals and higher paid deals and higher paid deals. And so it you know if if you if you're the Arizona Cardinals and you think that Kyler Murray is your guy for the future and it looks like they do because they're kind of building that offense around what Kyler Murray can do, uh, you go out and you lock him up for a while. Okay, well. Having heard you say all that, then they went on to say, uh, this is from Athletic, that this salary, hold on to your seats, is the second highest average annual value at $46.1 million in NFL history. Not just this year, but NFL history. This is the second highest average annual uh, salary value. Good Lord. Uh, so, uh, A lot of money for mean, Kyler. If, if he gets hurt and can't play for, for uh, two or three seasons, he still gets all that money guaranteed, $160 million, right? Yeah, right at signing he got that. Guaranteed is wow. guaranteed. Okay, so guys, I know you love baseball, probably more than I do. So then this also comes from the athletic, and y'all can think about this, and we'll talk about some more. But apparently these particular categories, for some reason, have been trending downward. Home runs, walks, and strikeouts are all trending downward across baseball. And this is according to Ken Rosenthal and Eno Saris of The Athletic. Guys, uh, any thoughts on that? Home runs is always one that, you know, you talk about with the baseballs and how it's going and that sort of thing. The, the strikeouts also being in the mix is kind of confusing to me. I, I wasn't expecting yeah, to hear that. Those things were all trending up last year. So, I mean, I th- is this just a one-year trend, Steve, that he's referring to? Well, I have not read the entire article, but it says, according to these two columnists, that they're digging into the trend that has the league executives baffled. That were their words. Yeah, no, I mean, it is surprising to see those things. You know, as J.D. alluded to, the baseball is always talked about. And, uh, again, I can tell you, home runs had been going up up until this year. So if, if this year, you know, withstanding would, would change that. As far as strikeouts, those have seemed to – be in the rise for years as well because of the all or nothing the three true outcomes approach that has gotten more and more play here so that probably is referring to just this year because the strikeout problem has been a thing that has been getting more worrisome over the years and then home runs I, i felt had been going up still okay and you know i wouldn't have known until i heard andy burcham say that our new track field coach is or was at one point the Fastest man in the world. How about that? Wow, I did not know that. So that was interesting. And next week, guys, uh, I know we don't have time now, I'm rambling, but this to me needs to be, uh, I think, to discuss because this to me is, is inexcusable. And I got this from uh, USA Today Sports. South Carolina's Don Staley called out ESPN for its SB Awards, dissing, as I see it, as she saw it, the player of the year, Aliyah Boston. You know that, right? Aaliyah Boston, I did not, I did not see that story. No, 
Yes, she was not invited to ceremonies for the ESPYs on Wednesday night. Interesting. And this is this is someone who won the Wooden Award and the Associated Press Player of the Year Award. Right. And what, what is amazing is the non-explanation explanation given by ESPN, uh, which said what? They said they had the utmost respect for Miss Boston and Staley the Gamecocks, but due to COVID-19 restrictions and a new venue with less seating capacity, organizers prioritize athlete invitations to focus on specific awards that will be handed out during the broadcast. Uh, did that explain anything to you? Yeah, I mean, if you watch the ESPYs, there are 46 awards every year, 46 of them. When you watch the event itself on TV, you maybe get to see 18 awards handed out max, maybe. Right. There are still nearly 30 awards that are not presented in front of the TV audience or the live in-studio audience uh, and that sort of thing. So, um, and that- she shouldn't have made the cut. I mean, she, she didn't make it. So it was, it was understandable that she, she didn't make the invite. What award did she win? She won two awards. Okay. She won the Associated Player of the Year Award and the John Wooden Award. No, I was trying to figure out what ESPY's award she won. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. She was nominated. Um, let's see, what is this? Oh, here it is. She was nominated for Best College Athlete Women's Sports. Yeah. The, with they, Florida State soccer player Jaylene Howell and Oklahoma softball player Jocelyn Alo. Yeah, yeah Alo. Alo. And, and they, they don't and, give that award out during the broadcast. And I don't think Alo so, got invited either. Um, yeah, that... Uh, Non-story. Wait a minute. They don't give out the best college athlete women's sports award uh, on on TV. No, no. They give the best male athlete and the best female athlete. Uh, wow, that's interesting. Okay, didn't know that. All right. Well, that's all I've got, guys. Hey, thank you for letting me ramble. And you guys deserve an SP. Thank you. We appreciate it. Kind okay, words. So I'm, I'm emailing ESPN because I know people up there. Let them know. Let and, them know, Steve. And, uh, you guys deserve it. I mean, you guys. You 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 hit it out of the, uh, the park, whatever. Uh, I can't say enough how much I enjoyed all the people that you interviewed with, and there were actually more conversations than interviews. Yeah, so, I, I really um, do appreciate you saying that, Steve. So many times we do these interviews and we get no feedback whatsoever, so any feedback from our listeners means the world, and so thank you seriously for saying that. Well, they weren't dry cut and cold like some interviews do. I mean, they were just interviews. That's right. And, I mean, they were just conversations as if you and I were just – Talking uh, with with somebody. That's what know, we were going for. At the bar, or whatever. So, guys, thank you for for all the hard work you did. And uh, if I had a check I could give you guys, uh, it would be uh, around probably that guaranteed 160 million dollars that uh, Kyle Murray got. <laughs> Heck yeah. So with, with that said, guys, I can't do it. But uh, enough of that. Y'all have a safe, relaxed weekend. You've earned it. Don't do any work. Just relax and have a safe weekend. And uh, I'll wrap it with you sometime next week. Until then, War Damn Eagle, guys. War Eagle, our good buddy, retired War Damn Steve, right there on our Auburn Bank phone line. Moving along here on Sports Call and this Friday inside our studios in Auburn. We want to hear from you, 334-887-3401. Call in and chat with us. Sports Call continues in a moment.
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. And we're back on Sports Call, WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, JJ Jackson, Canberry, Brooks Childress, Ryan, the Boy Insider Studios. Fun show so far. Good to hear from retired Wardham Steve. If you want to call in and chat with us, you could do just that. Give us a call, 334-887-3401. Again, the lineup for today's show, a fresh new conversation with Brian Matthews of AuburnSports.com at 415 during today's program. And then, once again, Greg Sankey stops by from earlier in this week. And then Brian Harson, John Samuel Shanker, Tank Bigsby, and Derek Hall will be on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Back here in our studios, long, long week in Atlanta. And the results are in. The Auburn Tigers picked to finish dead last in the SEC West. I love it. The SEC media members picked Alabama and Georgia to go head-to-head in yet another SEC championship game with the Alabama Crimson Tide walking away victoriously. Myself, Brooks Childress, Ryan LaVoy, and Tom Peavy all cast our individual votes and uh, walked away with the overwhelming majority of folks thinking Alabama would be SEC League champions. I'm going to say, I promise I I was not the one that voted for Vanderbilt. Someone did inexplicably vote for the Vanderbilt Commodores to win the entire league. Uh, Someone also voted for Texas A&M and several Georgia votes as well. That was odd to see the Vanderbilt vote turned in. Yeah. I, I mean, odd to say the very least, right? Clarkly's speech had <laughs> an impact some, on someone. Yeah, someone not taking it seriously. Not, not gotta be seriously not taking, at all. Yeah, got to be not taking it seriously whatsoever. I Excuse wonder. me. Which is unfortunate. Also, How dare you try to uh, shame the Nashville writers? Well, <laughs> also, I mean, you know, going on, under the radar, man. too, South Carolina got three SEC champion votes which seems pretty impossible maybe that spencer rattler fans or something um spencer rattler you know himself. like like i would like if someone wanted to have a bold opinion you could have coalesced around texas a&m or Hot maybe take. maybe if you would have thought you know tennessee would upset yeah. georgia or something but those are hot to, takes to go with south carolina and vandy those are just people just not trying yeah. you know not trying or or uh wanting to be silly and hijack it but yeah no look uh I, if you look at the point totals, um, there's a lot of you know pretty close point totals. Um, you know, Kentucky separating by three points over Tennessee for second in the East. That's that's a discussable and interesting race. Florida and South Carolina were not too far apart, 50 points separating fourth and fifth. You go out west, A&M had about 100 points on Arkansas. Uh, LSU had about 80 points on LSU, and then Mississippi State and Auburn were pretty close to each other, about 50 points apart from 6th to 7th. Um, and, and this kind of goes what into what I was saying earlier. It's just like, ignore the Vandy homer. <laughs> Vanderbilt has no path to a good season. Ever. Like, like, it, like Well, I mean, but <laughs> this season in particular, they, you know, they've – stumbled upon a couple eight and nine win seasons in the last decade or so with James Franklin. But this year they have no path. And like they would think they did well to go five and seven, honestly. And so 
that last place is different than the West last place, whether it would have spit out State or Auburn or LSU because those teams are still capable of quality seasons. I don't think Mississippi State, LSU, and Auburn are capable of New Year's Six type of seasons, but I think they're capable of eight and nine win campaigns if things go right for them. And right. so the, the gaps between those schools are very small. And so, ultimately, we all made a projection on what would happen. And I think that when you look at all those schools, I don't think there's even a surefire second because a lot of people uh, even liked Arkansas second in the West, which is I, right. I, I did that as well, actually. I put Arkansas second and A&M third. So, there is room there for... Uh, a lot of variance, and I like that, and that's why I'm focusing on that. I know a lot of the country will focus on who's in, as they always do with, with the with the top four, but I think the real rewarding thing will be looking at the depth and quality of the day-to-day matchups here, like three or four through 12 in the SEC, because there's going to be a lot of games that should come down the wire. There's going to be a lot of games that will be tough to pick. There's a lot of great storylines. Philip Marshall actually asked a question uh, to Jimbo Fisher of A&M yesterday, and it was not more of a question, more of a comment, but obviously it evoked a response. But he was like, well, Auburn's got your starting quarterback, and you've got LSU's starting quarterback, and South Carolina's got Oklahoma's starting quarterback. All these guys have transferred looking for different opportunities that, that started at major schools last year. Um, the other guy that Zach Calzada is competing with, with T.J. Finley, he started half a season at LSU the year before. So, And you've also got an Oregon co- quarterback in this on this quarterback room. Well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm making the point of guys that started oh, uh, other, other schools. I got you. But, but there's a lot of guys that have already done this thing just with someone else. And – you know, is Max Johnson equation different because he works with Jimbo Fisher now instead of Ed Orgeron and, and LSU? Does his equation change? You know, does Zach Calzada's equation change? Or does he improve after another year? He wasn't supposed to be the guy last year. He came in because I believe Haynes King got hurt like two games in. So there's a lot of things here. Spencer Rattler will be surrounded by less talent than he was at Oklahoma, but he will have less pressure than he's ever had. So I, I think that there are just a lot of variables this year. And, and maybe it's maybe that's every year. You know, maybe, maybe that is 3 through 12 or whatever every year. But it just feels like all these programs, because they've all had their turn in the limelight, in the last five years, so like almost all these schools have either made a, a a shot at the national championship or been in the SEC championship game or at least been to a New Year's Six game. You know, all these teams like Ole Miss just went to a New Year's Six bowl for the first time, and and had its or had its first ten win season. And you look at Mississippi State was number one in the country seven years ago uh, for a couple of weeks. Georgia just won its first national championship in a long time. Um, LSU has won national championships with their last three head coaches. Auburn has been in a national championship uh, within the last decade and, and been to another SEC championship game. So, so many of these teams have something in the last six, seven, eight years that has been very impactful. And so they're all capable of these degrees of success, but the, for right now, they're all bunched waiting for someone to come out and be a real challenger to Alabama and Georgia. 
Let's take a break. It's Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Moving forward, it's Sports Call WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. J.J. Ryan Brooks and Cam inside our studios here on South College Street. Brian Matthews joins the show in about a half hour or so. We had great conversations with Greg Sankey and many others earlier this week throughout SEC Media Days. You'll hear from Commissioner Sankey a little bit later in the program in our Auburn football interviews. Those are coming up in hour number three as well. What we want to do, it's the last day of the week, so... Uh, We're not quite overdue in doing this, but let's make sure you are well aware of our Sports Call Player of the Week. Here we go. Sports Call's Player of the Week. Atlanta Braves first baseman Matt Olson is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Brought to you by Eric McDade State Farm. Olson came through with some clutch hitting over the past week, driving in 11 runs in seven games. Olson also slugged four homers in that time frame and scored six runs himself. Thanks in part to the strong play of Olson, the Braves are 18 games over 500 headed into the All-Star break and are a close second place in the race for the NL East. Matt Olson is Sports Call's Player of the Week. That's right, our Sports Call Player of the Week presented by Eric McDade State Farm. An amazing news right there. The Atlanta Braves, Matt Olson, our Sports Call Player of the Week. The All-Star break is over. The Braves are back in competition tonight, taking on the L.A. Angels. So much noise about Matt Olson replacing Freddie Freeman. Got off to a little bit of a slower start, but he's been on a fire. Uh, a fire. Been on a, a tear. He's been on fire. He's created a, a fire. <laughs> he's done great things. Here lately. Brooks, tell me something about Matt Olson. Yeah, and really, right there before the All-Star break, really turned it on. It was uh, starting to play really well. It's a, a shame. I'm sure he didn't want the All-Star break to hit as he was playing so well, but he's got a chance to uh, come back tonight and pick up right where he left off. It's going to be a tough task tonight. He's going up against Shohei Otani. The rest of the weekend gets a little bit easier uh, with two more pitchers going this weekend. They're both below 500 uh, record-wise. But, you know, you, you look at Matt Olson. And there was a lot of uh, a lot of weight placed on his shoulders really early because he was replacing Freddie Freeman. And then you know earlier in the season when Freddie came back to um, came back to Atlanta and he saw you know what Freddie Freeman meant. He knew what Freddie Freeman meant to the to the community, but uh, he, he saw it in person when Witness. a visiting player came in and then he came to first and uh, you know the, the two first baseman for the Braves standing right there next to each other and then right kind of right after that he started to pick it up a little bit and then like I said right before the all-star break really hit a stride there and was as you said uh, on fire going into the all-star break and hopefully he can keep it going uh, starting tonight fun player Matt Olson oh yeah he's been killing it man he uh when I was writing my Braves report he, he, he keeps showing up uh, especially these last uh, last few weeks, he's been showing up really as uh, one of the top hitters for us. So he's been he's been killing it. Good defensive first baseman as well. Big body, right-handed thrower, left-handed batter, and uh, really warming up to playing in Truist Park. Braves are there this weekend taking on the L.A. Angels, and we'll see what Matt Olson can do. Our sports call player of the week. A big fan of his. Yeah, Matt Olson has all season long produced the doubles. He's been. Big uh, guy. Getting very close to those home runs, and now over these last couple weeks, he's finally starting to bang them over the wall instead of off the wall. Um, but, but you know, up to 17 home runs, 
He's neck and neck with Austin Riley for the team lead. Riley has 61. Olsen has 60. So, look, he's been a productive player for Atlanta this season, and I'm really excited about the Braves here starting in, in the second half. It will be a tough test tonight, but I do value the opportunity to see Shohei Otani. I was reading something from Kevin McAlpin a moment ago that Mike Trout, who's on the injury list, is eligible to come off tomorrow, however. Mike Trout has only played three games in his entire career against the Atlanta Braves, which is over 1,200 games that he's played. And that is the least of any team. The next fewest is the Mets, which you can imagine another NLA team. But he has played the Mets eight times. So he's only played the Braves three times. And so cherishing the opportunity to see these guys. And, and hey, if you believe the MLB network, Shohei Otani can pitch this game and then just go to the home dugout afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some rumors out there about the Braves making a deadline move for Otani. Reading that from Kevin McAlpin, did it? Did he say where those games were? Uh, he did not. I was going to say, I wonder if he's ever played a game yeah. in Atlanta. One of the venues he hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, there you I, go. he did not, though. We will see what happens this weekend. Three-game series between the Braves and the Angels. Game starts a little bit after our show goes off the air tonight. Three-game series between those two squads. All right, we've reached the end of hour number one of Sports Call. A couple hours left to go alongside Cam Brooks and Ryan. My name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and Ryan Lavoy. We're back. We're inside our studios here on South College Street, no longer at SEC Media Days in Atlanta, Georgia, at the College Football Hall of Fame. Excited to be back home. A fun opportunity to uh, sleep in our own beds last night when we arrived later in the evening and uh, wake back up this morning, be at the office, put in a full day of work here on the Plains and reunite with all of our great colleagues here at work, like Kim Berry, who joins us on the show. Long week. One day here, and then the weekend's yeah. here, too. So it's the best of both worlds. I know. I can't wait. I'm so excited for a great weekend. I'm going to go to Birmingham and 
Hang out with the lady. Yeah. A good weekend spent by you. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So uh, coming up this hour, we're going to chat with Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com and talk with the SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. You'll hear that once again from earlier this week at Radio Row at SEC Media Days. Uh, we heard from a lot of amazing football players and coaches this week in Atlanta at SEC Media Days, including the Auburn Tigers yesterday on Thursday. And I'm really curious what kind of takeaways Brian's going to have from some of the things that he said. It was good to see all the Auburn guys yesterday. It's, it's always one thing to go Monday through Wednesday, and then finally that, that Thursday feeling when it's like, all right, it's our turn. Here are the Auburn Tigers. That's the best feeling. Well, we were discussing that it feels like Feinbaum's, you know, the last writer left in the room each year it seems to be an Auburn guy because right. Auburn's always going on Thursday. Um, Bennett, it was Bennett Durando, I believe, two years ago. And then uh, uh, the year before or the year before that was Sam Blum, right? Right. And so, you know, that's two in- instant or instances already that that's happened. And so I think that, you know, I, I, I would wonder, I guess we could ask Brian if he – likes that it's the very end or if he wished it was in the middle because some of those guys did come up early you know we saw a few a few of the beat riders come up on wednesday um but you know for us we're there all day and you know i was actually thinking about this and we've had some of these discussions but i want to add to it here's another argument for why it actually is good for us that auburn's on the last day we're so busy running around trying to get interviews on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. A lot of those guys that we interview, they're gone on right. Thursday. Uh, they're certainly not there in the afternoon. And so to couple that with trying to run around and make sure we get the Auburn guys, I actually I came up with another reason to like it. We don't have to complain about every single thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure Brian would, would – uh, we'll talk to us about just the statement made by Brian Harson early um, in his press conference about addressing the inquiry in February, and I think I think the I think the national sentiment is good on what they heard from Brian Harson. I'm not hearing anybody dog what he said. I'm not hearing anybody say anything negative. So, you know, ultimately everything will have to be decided this fall. But I, I don't think that Brian Harson did anything. Uh, to hurt his stock or hurt perception, I think he only helped it this past week. Likewise, I, I think he really gained some fans. Cam, uh, what did you think of what you saw from from SEC Media Days yesterday from the Auburn perspective? Um, you know, I'm just I'm I'm glad that Harson really faced you know how how you know all the stuff that went on earlier in the year, um, how he kind of faced it head on. Um, and kind of just dealt with it, talked about it in his press conference, and then now he's ready to move on and ready to focus more on the team. Um, and that's just kind of how he is, how, how he has always been as a person, you know, as a somebody who's just going to face everything head on, not going to run from any, any challenge. Um, and I, I like that at, um, as a characteristic in our football coach. I'm excited to see where this team is. I think a lot of people sleep on Auburn, honestly, just as a whole – because of everything that transpired in the offseason. But I think, like he said, that it made us better. Um, I think it made the team better. I think it it just kind of brought everybody together um, and just kind of created some uh, cohesion, which is kind of something that Brand and I had talked about in the past, how this just kind of made us stronger and and better. Um, And I I think if, if we can really give Harson a chance to 
build this program the way that he wants it to, I think that we have a really good future ahead of us. Let's take some of your phone calls. 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 Set to be joined by Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com here in just a few moments, but we'll get one phone call. Before then, as we go back to the phone lines, joining us now here on Sports Call is... Keith from Auburn. Keith has called into the program. Hi there, Keith. Hey, guys. Hey, listen, I guess I need to work on some mind exercise because it's terrible that I, I couldn't remember the phone number <laughs> to, the, to, the, to the show, but living out of, out of town during the week. I do listen a lot, but the, the number just blows by me, and I got ready to call and couldn't remember. The We're always so, happy to help out, no doubt. Hey, listen, uh, first of all, <clears throat> I did listen a good bit to you guys, and I thought y'all did a fabulous job, uh, great interviews uh, that I heard. And, and I, but I do have one question because I, I did hear the rumor that you guys actually had dinner with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. So y'all tell me how that dinner went. Yeah, we moderated the entire conversation and uh, we, we acted as the middlemen uh, in trying to get them back on the same page. Yeah. Contrary, contrary to popular belief, there was no food thrown at the dinner. Okay. Anyway, guys, now I... I my apartment down here in Troy, I don't have live TV. So listen, I'm, I'm riding around, you know, I'm here and there and I'm at work and, and I'll stop and, and, and pull my phone up uh, and catch the, the interviews on YouTube after they after they took place. I mean, that's, that's, I think I've heard every SEC coach, but maybe Missouri and um, Kentucky. No, I heard Kentucky too. I think Missouri is the only one that I hadn't yeah. heard the head coach yet. So, but I thought, uh, I thought the media days were great. I know it's got to be a fabulous. and uh, We enjoyed it. Busy week there. for us, but we enjoyed it. Yeah, well, well, good deal, guys. Now, I just wanted to call in and, and tell you how much I, you know, being uh, detached now and, and not in Auburn during the week, how I enjoyed listening to you guys. Uh, it it, it kind of made me feel like I was there to, to some degree. And, you know, you, I mean, my gosh, you sat down with Greg Sankey. I mean, uh, you, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Thank you, know, you sir. Uh, that you that you get to talk to those guys. Y'all do an outstanding job, and that's probably one of the reasons that you know you get that opportunity. So just keep up the great work. Uh, I'm 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 tickled to death. Football season's right around the corner. It is indeed. And uh, I think I got October eighth on my calendar circled. So yeah. I'm waiting on the A uh, and M Alabama matchup. But anyway, guys, you're, and you're coming home for work. the weekend. So have a great I one. Am, I am between Union Springs and Tuskegee. Almost so, there. There you go. Almost home. But you guys have a great weekend, and I'll continue to listen. Keep up the great work. All right. That's our good pal Keith from Auburn joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401. And, yeah, you'll get to hear from Commissioner Sankey coming up here in just a little bit. Let's take a quick timeout. Brian Matthews joins us right after this on Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress, Ryan the Boy, and Cambiri. We're back at home after a week away at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Georgia, for SEC Media Days on Radio Row. Auburn went yesterday, and now we are so excited to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and chat with a longtime guest, a longtime friend of the program, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com, here to chat with us. B-Matt, we appreciate the time as always. How are you on this fine Friday? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good to be back in and, and glad to be back home. And now we just got a, just what, a week and a half, two weeks before we kick it off here with fall practice. So I'm excited about that. No kidding. It, it is going to be uh, here before we know it now that that SEC Media Days festivities is out of the way. Why does it always feel like Auburn's on Thursday, Brian? Like, what, what is that all about? I don't know. Saving the best for last, right? Of course, that's what it has to be. It's got to be. We we just we're, we're always <laughs> curious what what it would be like, what our weeks would look like if Auburn were to be earlier in the week, and then you're just doing the show a few days after the fact, reacting to other teams. But no, it's always waiting until the very end for Auburn to come through. I'd really rather than not be the first one. That makes it a little bit tougher. But you know, we got it done. We were there. So uh, another one. Uh, you know, in the rearview mirror, that's about 21 or 22 for me so far. How about that? Yeah, you've been doing it for quite some time, so I, I value your perspective on a lot of things. And there were folks walking away quite impressed with how Brian Harson handled the main stage yesterday. You were in the room sitting there on that uh, artificial turf that they've got there at the College Football Hall of Fame. How did you react to Coach Harson's comments there in the main media room yesterday? I kind of smiled out of my head as it was happening. You know, I'm not going to jump out of my seat and cheer for him or anything, but I thought he did a good job addressing the elephant in the room, so to speak, right? And, um, you know, being very upfront about it and, you know, um, you know, basically shutting it down, I think. I don't uh, I just think, um, other than referring to it as a motivational tool, which a lot of players and coaches are using in that way, I just think he put into that. Uh, moving forward, concentrate on this football team and the season going forward. Uh, did that surprise you at all, Brian, that he did address it or, or anything about his main press conference that surprised you? It did not – well, maybe it caught me off guard just a little bit because we had spoke to, to him just about 15 minutes earlier. You know, it's been about uh, 20 minutes or so with him. You know, the beat writers uh, got together uh, for a little one-on-one time, which was good. And it didn't really come up during that time. And um, But I, I am – I, I thought he did a great job with it, and um, I, I think it was a, a good decision to do that and to speak about it so plainly and so directly. And uh, you know, I think um, I think he, he did well. I think uh, the thing that Brian Harson does that people may not understand well because he really hasn't communicated it well um, when he first got here is, is he does good when he's speaking to people, whether it's in a, in a room with a lot of people or whether it's one on one. He's really good at that, and. Uh, he communicates well, and I think he's working hard to, to show that side of him really since, since he's been back in February. You know, whether it was going to the unions, you know, in March and April, or uh, the, the, I think it was all, but when he and this poll went out on, on the Auburn um, alumni tour thing, and uh, whether it's him starting a podcast up, I think he's about seven or eight um, episodes into that now, or uh, whether just making a, a better effort to connect with people. I just think. Um, you know, he's good at that, uh, maybe better than he thinks he is, and um, I think that helps him and helps his future at Auburn. 
Uh, now, the event being in Atlanta this year, Brian, obviously had been in Birmingham for, for pretty much every year except for 2018. We know we're going to Nashville uh, next year. Do you like that the SEC as a whole is is planning on kind of moving media days around, or are you a proponent of Atlanta or Birmingham, or, or what would you like to see done with media days? Um, I am 54 and set my way, so it should be in Birmingham every year, period. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I'm fine with them moving around, you know, whatever they want to do. Um, I don't I, – I see it as more of a ceremonial thing now, right? I, I don't think it's a great place to go and um, as it was when you started out on this – when I started out on this journey, you know, as a, as a beat writer covering Auburn. It's not, you know, a lot of information you get and – you know, it's you're not really talking about football hardly anymore, right? It's all these other things that are going on. So um, it's not necessarily important to my job day to day, but it is a big event, and it does still mark the beginning of, of SEC football season, which is still a really big deal. Brian, one of the guys that Auburn took up there was their star running back, Tank Bigsby, and yep. you know there was a lot of a uh, lot of controversy with him over the off season if he was going to stay, if he was going to leave Auburn. What were your takeaways from what he said at media days yesterday? Well, I, I, I stood there with Tank um, for most of the time we had with the players, and I was really impressed with him. Um, he's grown a lot over over these three years. You know, I, I think he's a terrific player on the field, and. Um, He's become a real team leader now. I think I'm not the outspoken uh, one, or, or the, you know, the one that um, talks a lot or yells a lot like some others do. Uh, but certainly, a guy behind the scenes that works his tail off and expects the same from his teammates. And um, uh, really, uh, we talked a little bit about you know um, him considering going to transfer portal. But um, you know, I think he said that you know he. You know, when he came to Auburn, Auburn wasn't perfect, and there wasn't ever expecting Auburn to be perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm not quoting him; I'm just sort of summarizing, and um, that was fine with him because uh, that's not how Auburn is, and, and and he's Auburn, and he's sticking with it. So, I think that was that was good to hear, and um, you know, I think if Auburn can give him some help, uh, he can have a special special season. I think he has that ability in him, uh, that potential. I just, you know, we'll see how the pieces around him. This probably would have been a better question before media days than after, but what did you think uh, of the decision that the, the of those three guys representing Auburn? Was there anyone else that you potentially would have liked to see, or do you think those were the right three guys? I think those probably the right three guys. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the Nick Brahms and Owen Popogo last year. Yes, that's right. I believe so. Yeah, so um, I think you know, giving those you know three new guys a chance to go was great. Um, I consider Eric Hall Mr. Auburn, you know, for this team. I just think he's an incredible person and player. And, uh, you know, John Samuelschenker has been a great player for Auburn. Uh, back for another year, he set a record last year for receiving uh, for a tight end at Auburn. So uh, I think they made uh, great choices there. So, yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed seeing all three of those guys uh, and listening to them, uh, you know, um, thank the most. But I went back, of course, and, and watched video and, and the transcription of the other two, too. So um, I thought all three uh, represented Auburn really, really well. Ryan Matthews is here with us. You can follow him on Twitter, at BMATAU. Read his work at AuburnSports.com, including, Brian, where you wrote a story on uh, Coach Harson addressing how he's handling recruiting this time of year because uh, folks are a little disappointed with where the Tigers' 2023 class is at, and uh, his message to recruits was simply to watch. What more can you fill in here, Brian? 
I mean, this is an interesting um, thing to watch for Auburn and Coach Harson and the program moving forward, right? Um, you can go back to last year. It's understandable they got off to a slow start. They were a, a new coaching staff. There was COVID. There were new relationships to build. So uh, they basically went into uh, November with a, a class ranked, I think, number 71 in the country. And I think they ended up uh, number 18 in the country, if I'm not mistaken, the rivals ranking. So uh, they had a huge uh, close and finish uh, during the early time period. Um, this year, it looks like it could be pretty similar. Um, you know, they have only four commitments. They're four really good commitments. Um, but because they only have four and a lot of other schools have 15 to 20 um, or, or at least a dozen, it, it puts them in a situa- situation where I think there's 66 in the country right now, something like that. So, um, you know, uh, it, it's not a good place to be in, but it's also not the end of the world. And I think Carson is on point when he's saying that, uh, you know, People are questioning him and what happened in February and his job security and other schools are using against them and recruiting and makes it a little bit tougher. And he's saying, hey, uh, I'm going to be here. Um, just watch what we do on the field. Uh, and then uh, you know, maybe you'll think we'll have and uh, have a little bit more um, trust in my future here. So I, I think it's the best move they can make at the moment. Uh, but I also don't think that doesn't mean they can still reel in some recruits here. They've got Big Cat coming up uh, July 30th. They've uh, got a chance to maybe uh, grab some commitments there from 23 kids and also a couple 24s too. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something to keep an eye on. And if you're Auburn, you just have to sort of hope that things do go well. You know, those first five home games and that results, you know, turns into some more commitments and a, and a higher-rated recruiting class. A good number of people knew that once we got to SEC media days and you heard Coach Harson talk on a number of topics, including his recruiting class and kind of the offseason noise in the February uh, calendar year here. Also, a lot of talk about quarterbacks and the competition that's set to take place between the likes of T.J. Finley and Zach Calzada. Did you get a gauge at all from, from anything Harson said or from what you've been hearing, Brian, as to when the timeline would be for Auburn to try and make a decision for this? Well, I think there are a couple of timelines. There's, I think there's a timeline when he sort of makes his decision and when he releases it. He talked about both those things, uh, kind of. Um, and he did say they'll make the decision when the time is right. Uh, but then he also said, you know, you'd like to have one named, you know, before you start game prep. And game prep usually starts within about two weeks of the season, right, when you really focus on that first opponent. Um, so... Uh, that's what I've, I've felt all along uh, within two or three weeks into preseason practice. They'll probably know. I've felt all along that Zach Calzada is going to be the guy, but I also um, feel that there's going to be a real competition. And You know, you can't rule out uh, any of them necessarily, but um, it makes a lot of sense that it's going to be Zach from, from what we've heard on and off the field. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how it goes, watching those guys, and when we get a chance to go out there and, and reporting on it. But uh, I would be a little surprised if it didn't end up being Calzada. Did you enjoy getting a chance to catch up with some old friends at SEC Media Days yesterday? I did. Yep, it was great. You know, I can remember when I used to be the young guy going there, and I see a bunch of other guys that were the same. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the, the 20 years has changed us a little bit. But, yes, it was always good catching up. And, um, you know, even though I wasn't there for long, uh, I actually got up at like four in the morning or, or whatever and left and oh, wow. went back that day. You know, um, but I guess that's what you do when you get older. You do dumb things like that. But 
but that's what I did, and uh, it turned out to be a good day. Enjoyed being there. Well, here's the other thing that folks need to be aware of. Obviously, we've had a lot of SEC Media Days coverage this week, and we did the show all four days there. We're glad to now be back in Auburn and at home and sleeping in our own beds last night, all of that sort of thing. But the athletics world continues. We had the MLB baseball draft going on. Yeah. We've got an Auburn men's basketball team getting ready to go to Israel. And I go to AuburnSports.com right now, Brian, and I see all that coverage on the website. Yeah, we do. We try to keep keep it all in there. And I, we just got an email saying we're going to talk to Bruce on Monday, so we're going to have some more basketball then, which will be great. I'm excited that uh, all three basketball games will be um, televised too, which is exciting. And then you know, baseball set the record. Um, four in the first five rounds was a record, and then eight um, in 20 rounds was the record. Uh, so again, Bush Thompson, you know, checking off another box of how special a coach he, he is. Him and Bruce Pearl are as good a coach as Auburn's ever had at their two, um, in their two sports. And uh, Auburn's very fortunate to have them right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was excited for those guys. And uh, just in the last um, few days, I've had a chance to talk to Butch and a couple of assistants. And uh, we're going to roll out more baseball coverage, too, just looking at the roster uh, going into fall practice, which will get underway probably uh, sometime in October-ish, November. And, uh, you know, keeping up with who's coming in and who's leaving after the draft. Outstanding stuff as always, B Matt. We appreciate the time. Enjoy your weekend, okay? Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. That's Brian Matthews joining us on Sports Call. Good stuff from B Matt. As always, a lot going on this time of year. I like his perspective on kind of the media days uh, operation and, and what we saw yesterday, his remarks on quarterback competitions and recruiting right now for this Auburn football team. I mean, there really were a lot of, and I'm seeing it on their website. Again, go check out auburnsports.com, support what they got going on. But there are so many different stories in SEC Media Days that you can take away from the Auburn perspective and from some of the things that Coach Harson spoke on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're When you think about what Coach Harson said as opposed to, you know, he could have not addressed the inquiry, and, right? And but he also used it to move forward. Um, you know, I, I think that his big focus at this point is to get going on the the development process. You know, and I think that I mentioned it the other day. I think there's going to have to be more recruiting done here. I, I think that that is what everyone is very concerned with at the moment, but. You know, Brian Harson's message when he was asked about the recruiting was just wait and see, you know, or not wait and see, but just watch, and meaning watch the the you know product on the field. And I haven't thought about it like this until now, but that is almost like an eggs in the basket sort of sort of statement, because if they don't play very well, what are the recruits watching? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not good, right. not good sure. things. Um. I don't liken it quite to the uh, the boat that Gus Malzahn put himself in when he said Bo Nix would win a championship at Auburn in 2019. You know, not not to that category, but nevertheless, you know, when when you make that comment, when your messages watch, Auburn's going to play good football this year. And look, he's had a very can-do mentality, and he is very much about laying the groundwork and working hard and, and trying to develop, but. Um, you know, I think there's some other things to, to take away there, and I think one of those things is that he is uh, maybe putting more into this season. Maybe you know, every everyone, every 
everyone has a different line of thinking here. The we don't think this should be a make or break year for Brian Harson or anybody in year two. It is the the board of directors and the trustees and the the people with a lot of money think it is um, and, and think it is very important to have a big year. And so which way does Harson lean? Well, to me, that comment maybe makes it more on the emphasis on you gotta gotta have a good year this year. So it's um it will all be determined soon. A month and a half or just under, it will all start to get figured out. We're almost there. We're almost there from getting uh, football season underway, seeing how these games play out and more. In addition to that, coming up after this next break, we're going to get a chance to chat with Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, who talked a lot about the future of the league, the future of the sport, scheduling models, how he makes his schedule throughout the season. And Brooks, it was one of our favorite interviews from this week that we're glad people get to hear again today on the show. Yeah, so so very insightful and uh, can't wait to hear it again on the show. And I mean, you always get a, always have great interviews at SEC Media Days, and this is another great one. Give you a chance to hear it again if you missed it when we were live or if you haven't gotten a chance to check it out on our uh, podcast feed yet. Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, was with us on Sports Call. You're going to get a chance to hear that conversation when we come back from this next break. It is the Abbey Award-winning Sports Talk Show. I'm J.J. Jackson alongside Kim Beery, Brooks Childress, and Ryan LaVoy. Thanks again to Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com for joining us on today's show. Back after this, Tiger 95.9. Biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. All right, welcome back into Sports Call here in Auburn on Tiger 95.9 FM. J.J. Jackson and Ryan LaVoy here on Radio Row at SEC Media Days in Atlanta and so honored and thrilled to be joined by the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey, here with us. Greg, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for being part of Media Days. Absolutely. It's been a fun week here at the College Football Hall of Fame. What have you thought of the festivities here in Atlanta with the show back on the road? You know, it's a really unique venue. You get to experience the history of college football. If you walk around, you you see faces um, uh, featured in different displays, some of whom are actually speaking. Yeah. Uh, And and those, those pictures may go back to playing days or earlier coaching days. Um, we have a, a goalpost in the middle of our press conference, artificial turf on the field, a big screen. So it's a pretty unique uh, feel, and it's unique for conferences to move their media days around like we're doing. And uh, we expect to be in Nashville next year. We'll have some opportunities to look at other venues in the future. 
And uh, each place we want to go, we want to have a little bit of a special feel around this event. I know that back in 2018 when we were here for the first time, you mentioned just that, that you wanted to have this event go on the road, let more people experience it other than the traditional Birmingham setting. I mean, a little bit more on just the folks that have been able to come out. They don't get as much access as I'm sure fans would like, but still to be to be here and around the event in different cities. Well, there are people through the week who will come just to see coaches kind of mingle in the lobby, look through the window, see what's going on. It's raining today, so it's a little tough to be outside looking in the windows. Who, who likely haven't experienced the College Football Hall of Fame. So it's a good way to introduce college football um, beyond just their favorite team to, to a set of fans. Um, this uh, Moving it around, depending on what we do, allows a little bit more of a, a touch and feel. We also bring in local media in major markets. So you know, Atlanta is always going to pay attention to the Southeastern Conference, but being here magnifies uh, the level of attention paid. And in other major cities, we can, we can experience that same level of interest locally and if you think about a plan over time that just builds and builds upon the interest that exists for the southeastern conference and commissioner with so much going on in the world of college football and college athletics is this week almost like a step aside to just take a breath after all these deep conversations about expansion and about uh, what a playoff might look like what a a new league schedule will look like is this almost like a a week not off but a week of, of different less impactful responsibility well it is different but you always want to be attentive to how you communicate and what you say because it's scrutinized over and over and you know within the within the industry everybody gets emails and articles and you know what did he say what do you mean by that um it actually crystallizes thoughts so a lot of the the advance work um not just for speaking at uh monday's opening session but answering questions about how do we see the future from expansion, scheduling, NIL, transfers, uh, other NCAA-related issues. Um, because I'm going to be asked anything, there's an opportunity to prepare, but also uh, a continuing opportunity to think. So it's different. It's a different pace. It is a step away from uh, the normal office routine, but there is an intensity about it that exists all four days that we're involved. I want to ask about something kind of uh, about the future, but maybe with a little different slant than what uh, most talk about. Uh, I was watching John McDade's uh, presentation on Tuesday and about, you know, the idea of forward thinking about if there is a playoff that requires more games, how can we, for player safety, kind of cut down on the amount of of plays that they participate in? And and I saw that that essentially I think it was if you have a, a rule in which the clock does not stop for incompletions, that you could get up to saving two games worth of participation even under a 15- or 16-game schedule if you were to play that many through a playoff. Is that the type of forward-thinking rules and processes that you have to try and look deeper at? Because we're also focused on just the how many teams part of the playoff, but there's also more issues to it. There are. There's there's calendar issues. When do you play games? How does it interact? How does the college football playoff expansion that that could reemerge interact with the expanded NFL schedule? Um, And then we had from a a listening session with our Football Student Athlete Leadership Council last summer as we were talking about uh, adding games, uh, a really specific dialogue, again, from our student-athlete leaders who play football, um, that it's not about the number of games, it's about the number of exposures. And so that started our, our wheels spinning, uh, and we engaged a firm to look at if you did certain things within the game. So if you ran the clock after first downs instead of stopping it, like is the college tradition, what, what would that do? 
Um, if you alter it a little bit further out of bounds timing, what, what might that do? And what you saw was one of the results. And I think we looked at five different areas. I don't recall the other two. But the most impactful on exposures or, or plays is uh, running the clock after incompletions. And, and remember that, you know, our, our backroom conversations are, you know, if you hand the ball off and 22 people pile on the ball carrier, we don't stop the clock. You, know, you may be taking 10 or 15 seconds to pull everybody off of the pile. If you throw a two-yard out to, to, to a wide receiver and it goes through his hands and out of bounds, we stop the clock. Um, and you've seen adaptations around the game where the offense, as they're trying to control the pace, those guys will run back. So even if you throw a 20-yard pass downfield that goes incomplete, you've got people sprinting back or substitutions taking place that, that negate what 50 years ago was seen as a disruption to the game, which is an incomplete pass. And, and it's just um, an introduction, and it is meant to be forward thinking, of how do we consider the game moving forward. We also have a range in game times last year from 2 hours and 57 minutes for the shortest game up to about 4 hours and 10 minutes for the longest regular, uh, regularly timed game. And, and we need to narrow that variance a little bit. I'm not, not worried about games that go 315, 320, because I think once you're there, you want to see it. We want to keep the pace of the game moving along. But we ought to think about how do we normalize the, the overall experience. How do you typically make your schedule as to which games throughout a football season that you get to go to? Uh, I usually start right around this time of year and, and looking particularly at the first weekend and trying to touch as many bases as I can. Uh, my philosophy is, attend, is to, to do my best to attend a home game for every school and to see each team play twice if, if possible. Uh, you know, last year I saw Georgia play two neutral sites, one in Charlotte, one in Jacksonville, so I never made it to a, a home game at Georgia, but I met the, the, the CM two times. Um, experience. My plan right now, uh, opening weekend, is to go to Missouri on opening Thursday night. So both Tennessee and Missouri have home games. I saw Tennessee play Bowling Green opening night last year. So I'll go up to Missouri. Uh, expect Saturday to be here in, in uh, Atlanta to begin the day for Oregon and Georgia. And then probably sneak out, in fact, not probably, but sneak out a little early, head to Gainesville because Utah is playing at Florida. And then on Sunday, Florida State's in New Orleans against LSU. So that'll be opening weekend. Uh, week two is uh, Alabama at Texas. So I've never been to a football game in Austin, Texas. And, and that's an opportunity to say hello. And since we have a conference team, I normally wouldn't go to a non-conference game. But just given the u uniqueness of, of the circumstance. Uh, week three, Miami's at Texas A&M late. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if I go to two games, so go to one game early that day. I am going week zero to Hawaii. I told All people right. that. So Vanderbilt plays Hawaii. My brother actually lives there, so I've loaded up my frequent flyer. I've emptied out my frequent <laughs> flyer account, and uh, we'll, we'll start a little bit earlier than, than normal at week zero. feels impossible to put those schedules together, and you got somehow, some way, you get it done. Yeah, and then, That's outstanding. Yeah, well, things play out, um, and, and so some of it's timing sure. of games, and then some of it's, well, I want to see that game. So, you know, the Penn State at Auburn uh, week's a big deal. Uh, but there's some games down, down the line in, in Auburn that, that I'll probably plan to attend so I can see some of our other teams play. Uh, but it's a work in progress, and it's all subject to change because what I just told you is pretty much in pencil other than <laughs> yeah. that week zero game. <laughs> well, talking about the schedule in particular and then exposures, as we're saying, and what the future could look like when people want to know what the schedule changes could be once two new teams join the league. That's been a big topic this week. 
is there a timeline in place and when you would like to have that decision made? There is not. When we expanded last July, uh, we had an athletics director's meeting uh, a few weeks after, and we asked the ADs, when do you need to know? And, and they asked, really by this past Destin meeting, to help with non-conference scheduling. And then as we walked through the issues, more and more information was, was desired. And, and so we've got some questions that need to be answered this summer. There's actually a group working on it right now on what our tiebreakers would look like in a single division concept since we've been in two divisions for a long time. We have to decide the number of games. We have to decide how many annual matchups. And it's not as if rivalries go away, even if they're not played every year. But we're going to have to make some decisions on the number of, of annual games embedded in the schedule with the idea we want to move teams through with greater frequency. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to have to wait 12 years before somebody from the east ends yeah. up on your campus. We'd like to see that happen with much greater frequency. As we wrap in your opening remarks, we know that you highlighted Sunisa Lee and what she was able to do in Auburn for that gymnastics program. Uh, not only her impact, but just the sports outside of just football growing and an Auburn baseball team that makes it to the College World Series. I mean, all in all, it's a pretty successful year for our Auburn Tigers. Yeah, and, you know, Bruce's team ranked number yeah. one and uh, a lot of momentum. You know, we, we, men's basketball had really high expectations for the postseason. We just end up in matchups and the threes don't fall the right way. But uh, progress in women's basketball. Right. Um, you know, some of the, the conference victories that hadn't happened uh, in, in a while. So, you know, a lot of good happening down on the plains. Excited about the future. Had a great visit with Brian. We were talking about. Uh, Ford Mustangs yeah. and his interest there. Just one of the joys of the job is you get to know people uh, off the field. So uh, it was neat to have half the College World Series field include uh, SEC, four SEC teams, um, see what Butch's team did through the year. And, you know, there's a lot of promising uh, opportunities out there in the future. Commissioner, thanks for the time. Always good to see you. Thank you. That's Greg Sankey joining us on Sports Call. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Cam Barry, Brooks Childress, and Ryan LaVoy. 
We're back home. We're back in our Auburn studios after a week away in Atlanta, Georgia at SEC Media Days. We've had a great chat today with Brian Matthews of AuburnSports.com and the opportunity to let you hear our conversation with Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, just moments ago. In this final hour of the show, we chat with Brian Harson, we talk with Derek Hall and Tank Bigsby. All of those guys, and John Samuel Shanker, I'm forgetting them, uh, will be on our program from conversations earlier throughout this week. So a lot of amazing stuff for us to get into in this third and final hour of the program and uh, finally put a bow on a quite spectacular week that we had at SEC Media Days. Two hours done on today's show, guys, and we've got one more left to go here on this Friday. Yeah, our fourth SEC Media Days. Of course, we've been doing this show together uh, for five years. I guess Brooks came in a little later, but he also was intern um, as well. So uh, having intern gang. Uh, gone through it uh, four times now, um, it was a, a good experience and – a lot of radio shows there. They squeezed us all up there. Lord did that, by the, yeah. By the exhibits and everything, we were right beside, as we kept talking about all week, that that Alabama and Auburn rivalry. We were kind of in the rivalry section, and it was a good time. I thought it was a good backdrop for it, too. I know the fans really didn't have access throughout the week um, because that would have caused just utter chaos. chaos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, utter yeah. chaos. No way. No time uh, for that. Um, but <sighs> – it was still a really good backdrop for it, and I'll be interested to see in future years. Nashville coming up in 23. Uh, rumors around New Orleans for 24. Tampa potentially could be involved. Um, and then I think the state of Texas will get its day right after that. You know, I, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of big city venues, a, a lot of great venues to go through over the coming years. But nothing will quite hit, I don't think, the same as – the college football hall of fame everything that is so important to the sport i know the college football hall of fame caters to the entire sport but let's be honest the sec has been the leader of the sport for two decades now and so it makes uh it makes it feel uh, you know just a little bit more special knowing that that's the uh, the place where everyone honors college football the most at the hall of fame in atlanta Again, we got to vote on predicted order of finish for the SEC, a conference champion, and then first, second, and third team players. First team quarterback, Bryce Young from Alabama. Second team quarterback was Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. The third team quarterback was Will Levis from Kentucky. Anything noteworthy there for you guys? I don't think so. Obviously, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner was the no-brainer at first right. team. I think it speaks volumes um, – to what Hendon Hooker did last year, it was very surprising. Um, he was okay at Virginia Tech, but did not expect him to start to lead a revitalized Tennessee, at least on the offensive side of the football last year. And Will Levis gets a lot of NFL draft attention, and Levis is going to be someone to watch out for this year. So I don't think any of that's surprising. I think there's also some other quarterbacks in this league that could end up being really good, that could end up being well accomplished by the end of the season. If Max Johnson takes a stride at, at Texas A&M, if Jackson Dart develops and learns the Lane Kiffin offense, if Will Rogers continues to be good in the air raid, uh, you know, you know, whatever you think of him, Stetson Bennett will want to prove people wrong yeah. this year at Georgia. There's a lot of accomplished and and potentially really good quarterbacks in this league. So nothing surprised me of those three, but that does not mean that those are the only three good quarterbacks in the SEC. Yeah. 
Yeah, Stetson Bennett has to prove people wrong after leading his team right. to the national after championship. after winning a national championship. And yeah. nobody was more upset about him coming back than UGA fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can I can attest to that because all of my friends that are UGA fans are like, why'd he come back? But, uh, I mean, he won you guys a championship. So, uh, along with that amazing defense. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people talk about, like you mentioned, uh, Will Levis is like a top five draft pick, um, which is – you know, I don't really know much about him or I've, you know, not really seen him play. But, I mean, I guess he must be the truth or he has the intangibles He's of good. a pro quarterback. So um, that'll be exciting to see. Um, he started Jackson, his career for Penn State right. and then played there for three seasons, came over and, and has now been playing for Kentucky and doing good things there. Right. And uh, Jackson Dart, who started out at USC, he can be really, really good with with Kiffin. Um, that that might be a match made in heaven. So that they'll be uh, they'll be dangerous uh, for sure. Look, Something to the watch quarterbacks out for. in this league are, are crazy. crazy. Are crazy. Like we mentioned the three again: strong. Bryce Young at the top, Hendon Hooker second team, third team is Will Levis. That does not include, as we said, somebody like Jackson Dart at Ole Miss. Somebody yeah. like Spencer Rattler even Spencer at Rattler, South Carolina. Yeah. Stetson Bennett, the national championship winning quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs. And then Will Rogers, a good bit of the internet, uh, had some Will Rogers discourse today with him not being on any of those three teams. And you look at his numbers from a year ago. What does it say, not about Will Rogers specifically, but about the depth of the quarterbacks? We just rattled off a lot of names. Let me put it to you in this context. Last season in 2021, Will Rogers completed 74% of his passes Threw for 4,700 yards, 36 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. Those 4,700 yards, by the way, passing yards, that is the third most in the history of the Southeastern Conference. The only two ahead of him were Bryce Young from last year at number two, and Joe Joe Burrow Burrow. had 5,600 in 2019. What does that say about the depth of the quarterback position in this conference that somebody named Will Rogers had 4,700 passing yards, 74% completion percentage, 36 touchdowns to nine INTs? Man! It's it's impressive. I mean, you, you look across the board at a, a, a lot of these different uh, quarterback situations. There's a lot of teams that did bring quarterbacks this year, and that usually signals that that guy is going to be their starting quarterback for the, that uh, season. There's a couple teams that are going to have very competitive um, quarterback competitions, one of which is going to be right here on the Plains. Who knows who's going to win that competition? I know a lot of people speculate who's it going to be. Brian Matthews mentioned it in his. He, you know, full, he expects it could be. Um, Zach Calzada when it's said and done, but who really knows what's going to happen? There's so much quarterback depth. And we talked with, um, I think it was Chris Gordy that said uh, said it earlier this week when we talked to him um, on, on one of our interviews, and he was talking about Bryce Young is probably going to be voted, you know, number one first-team uh, quarterback, and he should be. He's the defending Heisman Trophy candidate. But his production could take a step back this year because Alabama has it has – uh, signaled that they want to run the ball a little bit more, and Bryce Young is going to be handing off to some of those talented running backs in the backfield of uh, for Alabama, and his production could go down a little bit, and that could give a guy like Will Rogers a chance to step up. It could give a guy like Hendon uh, Hooker a chance to step up, and at the end of the year, be the quote unquote better quarterback stats wise in the yeah. SEC. But you know, you still you look at a guy like Bryce Young, it, even though his production would go down a little bit, 
they're they're still picked to win the win the conference. For both of those guys, Bryce Young and Will Rogers, when you have again the second and third best passing yardage season in the history of the Southeastern Conference, I don't think st- taking a step back is that bad of a thing. I mean, yeah. okay, that's really tough. The numbers that you put up last year, it's okay to take a step back down to reality. I think more so, uh, as I was alluding to, the depth of the quarterback position in this league is unbelievable. Yeah, it's a lot to lean on a guy that much. And we've yet and, to mention K.J. Jefferson in Arkansas. Right, and uh, another one. And Stud. So to two points I want to make. A, or, or one, based off what you just said, you know, that's a lot to lean on a guy. Mississippi State's offense is always going to be built like that as long as Mike Leach is there. That's who he is. They're going to throw 50 Air times. Raid. Yeah, period. Uh, and so I think that's why he maybe didn't get – the respect of being on the first three teams just because it's built into the offense he's going to be labeled a system guy but hey if he runs that system really well Mississippi State will take it that's what they, they just need someone to run the system well regardless of national perception um secondly I, I want to say you know that's part of the reason you know if I'm thinking out loud here why the the prognosis on Auburn is is not very good Okay, it's not just that they have a, a quarterback battle. Some other schools technically have quarterback ba- battles, as Brooks alluded to. Technically, te- and again, I, I think it'll be this guy, but Aslan Kiffin, it's not determined that it'll be Jackson Dart yet. Luke Altmeyer is still in the mix. We asked Connor O'Gara about it. He Connor O'Gara actually wants to see Luke Altmeyer because he wants to see Lane Kiffin develop a quarterback more than just having worked I'm with him tired. a year. So yeah. I, I think it'll be Dart, and I would be really excited about Dart, but it's not technically over yet. Florida is going is a race, you know, and I think the world of Anthony Andy Richardson's Richardson. poten- potential, oh he'll have to show it. But my issue here is of all the quarterback battles, talent-wise, just skill-wise, Auburn's has one of, if not the least, appealing battles here. And let me just put it to you this way. Where would last year's version of Bo Nix, not, not projecting him to this year, but just how Bonix played in the nine or so games that he played in last year, how that can compare to what is expected of all the quarterbacks in the league this year? Okay, I don't think you'd put it in the top five. I think you'd put it maybe seven, somewhere in the middle of the pack, six to six to eight, somewhere sure. in there. Okay, so the the way T.J. Finley played, not even close to how Bonix played, and then you think about Calzada. And Calzada last year, save for one game, would also be below the way Bonex played last year. So my point is, there has to be real progress here with one of these two quarterbacks for just sure. to just to get to where Bo Nix was. Yes, mind you, there's still at least six or seven other guys that would produce better than Bo this year. And so that's that's the issue here. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's a part of the equation. I liken it to last year when I said Ole Miss's defense does not have to become some incredible defense for them to have a good season. They need to just better the margin because they went from like one-tenth to like 65th last year. And that's all they needed to do. They just need to get a little better. So for Auburn, they don't have to get Calzada or Finley to be a top three or four quarterback in the league, but instead of being 11th or 12th or 13th, they need to get to the middle. They need to get to 7th or 8th out of those guys, whoever it might be. Great point. A lot of good play going on in the Southeastern Conference, especially at that quarterback position. Again, first, second, and third team quarterbacks. Bryce Young from Alabama. Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Will Levis 
from Kentucky. On the other side of this break, a man by the name of John Samuel Shanker. He stars at tight end for your Auburn Tigers. He joins our show next on Sports Call. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and we are so honored now to be joined by Auburn Tiger football player John Samuel Shanker joining us here at SEC Media Days in Atlanta. What have you thought about the day so far, John? It's been awesome. Uh, a lot of stuff going on here. You don't really – you see it on TV, but you don't really get the, the, back, the back views of it, and it's pretty awesome. It's been a lot of fun interacting with everybody, and – excited to be here. And I heard that you were surprised at just how many radio stations you could see around here. And it's kind of crazy, all the folks that are here. It's madness back here. It's There's so many stations around here. <laughs> it's, it's crazy how many people follow follow this station and follow college football. I want to point this out to you as well. I think you might be the only player that's done any interviews this week that's already married. That and, is true. And Coach Harson was uh, able to highlight that a little bit earlier. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, I got married two weeks ago. Well, not even. Uh, July 9th, I got married. <laughs> so I have went on my honeymoon. He allowed me to do that. And uh, so this is my first week back, I guess, from my honeymoon. Um, but I guess I'm one of five guys on the team now. Luke Deal, Honors Carlson, Austin Troxel, wow. Alec Jackson. They're all married now. So it's been awesome. It's a great little group, and I'm very happy. Last year, John, you had a, a banner season. You uh, had, had big numbers and had a big impact on the team. Talk about just your development as a player and, and under Coach Harson for the first year. Yeah, it was you know it was kind of a whirlwind, right? It was a lot of new things happening and a new coach, and you're trying to kind of feel what he wants and um, how you can play together. And now that we have a year under our belt and everything was great, um, I mean, personally, obviously our team struggled – and that's something we're focusing on right now is getting Auburn back where they need to be. But it was really awesome to to grow. And now in year two, you have a lot more confidence. Um, you have a lot more um, camaraderie with Coach Harris and the coaching staff because Eric Keesaw and Schmetting, they were here last year. They just weren't coordinators. So to have that bond as well is pretty neat because, you know, coordinators kind of flow all the time. They change all the time. But now um, to have that and to have that communication and it being really good is, is something that um, we were proud of and excited about this season. Now, you mentioned the uh, confidence and the building confidence. Listen, it's no secret people are ranking Auburn down low and everything like that. But in your words and just from what you've seen with these guys, how sneaky dangerous can this team actually be? Well, think all the great – not all, but most of the great Auburn teams, they normally are underdogs, right? They're – you have teams, you know, after the 2012 season going 3-9 and you're in a natty, right? So we do take that to our advantage. Yep. Uh, it's You know, preseason is has nothing, right? You don't hang banners in the preseason. You hang them in the postseason. 
And so to have what we have and the experience we have coming back and the leadership that we have and what we've done this off season and gone through the turmoils and all the good things as well, it's really brought out our team and grown us so much closer together and the culture change and it's been amazing all season. We're just excited to get ready to play and we play every game, every week, one at a time, and that's the only way you can play this game in this league, especially in the SEC. John, I don't know if you're aware of this because we were not aware of this until earlier this week, but there's actually going to be a new rule this year where if you're not inside the tackle box, you can't cut block. And so um, how will that impact Auburn's tight end room, including yourself, and, and just the way culture ball has been moving, it's it continued to be an, an emphasis on, on player safety. Yeah, so – that one, it won't help us. Uh, it make it harder. <laughs> the blocking may be a little bit more difficult when you're facing Will Anderson and Nolan Smith. But um, we haven't super fo- we haven't focused on that because we haven't had pads on. But that will be a huge emphasis for us is knowing when and we can't cut. Because last year, you know, it was pretty easy. Sometimes you could just, uh, he's in a tough angle. I'm just gonna cut him. But now, you know, he's protecting their knees. I I totally understand the rule. Um, but it's more just understanding when and we can't do it. Um, and Coach Bedell, our tight end coach, will definitely um, teach us those ways just to make sure that we don't have any stupid penalties and things like that. But it's always changing. There's always rules, and you just got to flow with them. In our presentation that we learned about the rule changes, yourself and Nick Brahms were two of the clips in particular that was like, this is no longer allowed. These <laughs> yeah. were good blocks a year ago, yeah. and now it's a little different. Actually, I think your block was the legal was block. Was the legal block. Oh, and, okay. And because you can, like, you have a part. And, again, the coaches will do a much better job explaining <laughs> yeah. than I will. Uh, but as long, as long as you have, like, a part of you that's in the tackle box, like lined up behind right. the, the left tackle, right tackle, what have you. But Nick's was the one that was shown as a new illegal block. So Auburn kind of got a little singled out there. Yeah, well, that was a big thing. When we line up, you we make sure that you're, you know, you're out inside foots on their outside because that gives you eligibility, right? And that's so that's going to be a massive, massive factor this year. Because if you're not, if that umpire or whoever they is sitting there thinks you're not, then it's going to be a penalty, and it could be a massive gain that's coming back just, you know. So there's really – you don't want to leave any room for uncertainty in that situation. Compare the tight end room today in 2022 to when you first arrived on campus. Wow. Um, well, when we first arrived, it was Chandler Cox <laughs> and Jalen Harris, Spencer Nye, Tucker Brown. It was just a lot of different characters, I would say. Now it's more – you have four real – Actual tight ends. You have Fromm, Deal, Frazier, myself, and you got Michael Riley, Ducker as well in the back end as a young guy. And so it's just a – we had tight ends, but we only had – Chandler was like a fullback, right? And he played in the league for a little bit. But now we have four real tight ends that anytime anybody goes down or certain plays, we have guys for those situations. So it's it's really awesome. You just pull any hat out of the bag and – it's pretty awesome to, to play with those guys. We've played them for so long now. It's pretty awesome. I, on any given play, what, what would you prefer doing? Do you like blocking folks or do you like going out there and snagging passes? Uh, it probably actually depends on the play, honestly. Yeah. Um, I do love running routes and catching the ball right. a lot. Um, but I also love to get dirty a little bit. I, I enjoy perimeter blocking a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't know why. But, um, you know, when you get down the trenches, sometimes it gets kind of boring. You're just – beating yourself up all the time but um that that's also fun but i just i think i enjoy the routes probably the best right. you know it's pretty fun 
Let's wrap with this. Obviously, we're chatting with John Samuel Shanker here on Radio Road, SEC Media Day, Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM. The Auburn baseball team went to the College World Series this past season. You got to play baseball collegiately for those two years. What was it like to watch those guys? That was awesome. I have some good buddies there at my wedding, Casey Howell, Garrett Farquhar, and Bryson Ware were all at my wedding. And uh, to watch those guys and um, what they were able to do with the addition of Sonny and Brooks Carlson and all those guys that came in was really awesome. And that's an awesome accomplishment to go to Omaha. I know they wanted to win it, but just to look back on the season compared to what we had last year is really a huge turnaround. And that's another example of an underdog uh, yeah. in Auburn. And they were predicted, I think, to be last in the West again. And, and they were staying there in Omaha. So that's, that's just a testament to them and Coach Thompson and his leadership on that team. How difficult was it to be a two-sport athlete? Uh, it was very difficult. Uh, <laughs> it was long, long days. Um, I was dating my wife at the time as well. So the, to say I had no time was an understatement. I, it was awesome. I enjoyed every second of it. But at the same time, like I didn't really get to enjoy it as much as I wanted to because I always had something after. You know, if I played a game in baseball, or if I had homework or I got to go see my wife or, you know, stuff like that. Um, so it was always something, and um, so I didn't really get to hone it in and think about it as much as I wanted to, um, but it was an awesome thing to, to be a part of. Will Anderson and Nolan Smith coming off the edge, or Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter, some of those stud pitchers <laughs> in the SEC standing in the batter's box. What's more challenging? Ooh. For me, it's going to be Kumar, because I was not as good of a hitter as I am a football player. So I believe I could handle Nolan and – um, will better than I can Kumar and because I can control a little bit more in blocking than right. I can a pitch. You know, I have no control of that. And it's 99, you know. So I would probably say uh, Will and Nolan. You had a homer in your career though, right? Uh, in inner squads. Okay. I don't think I had a real <laughs> okay. one. I had one in inner squads, but never in a – I was a BP guy. There I you was go. the intimidator. Yeah. <laughs> intimidator on the BP <laughs> Thank you so much for the time. We're looking forward to watching you this football season. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. That's John Samuel Shanker joining us on Sports Call. Timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM. J.J. Jackson, Tom P.V. Brooks Childress, and so thrilled and honored to be joined by the man, the Auburn running back, Tank Bigsby, here with us on today's show. Tank, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you for asking. Yes, this sir. is a fun event, SEC Media Days at the College Football Hall of Fame. How's the day been for you? It's been great. It's been fantastic. What does it mean that uh, here we are at this event, you see all the great history and tradition of college football, and to know that you're out there on Saturdays trying to be a part of it? Uh, it's, it's great to be in this just to see it's uh, motivating, you know, just to come in and look at the things and the people that came before me, you know what I'm saying, just make me 
put a bigger chip on my shoulder and let, let me know I have more things to do in the compass. How, pr- how much pride do you take into the fact that, that you're remaining committed to Auburn, that you are the Auburn running back? I know there was a lot of outside noise about whether or not Tank Bigsby was going to stay or go, and here you are getting set to play your third season for Auburn. How much pride do you have in being an Auburn Tiger? I have a lot of pride, and I, uh, I really believe orange and blue. When I walk out, I believe orange and blue. Like, orange and blue is different. You know, I really believe that. And I really believe, like, a lot of people don't mess with Auburn because they're not Auburn men. They don't – and it's, you have to be a kind of man and a kind of person to be Auburn. And um, I really believe that. Talking with Tank Bigsby here on Sports Call at SEC Media Days Radio Row and looking at this upcoming season, the offense is likely going to feature you a lot this upcoming season. What kind of expectations do you have for the year on the offensive side of the ball? Dude, bring the best me every time I can. Every time I touch the field, bring the best version of Tank Big. Every time. Was the 2021 version of Tank Bigsby better because Jarquez Hunter was behind him and you saw a young freshman really emerging onto the scene? I mean, that's only got to make you better knowing, okay, i got to put some work in because mm-hmm. there are some really good dudes behind me. Yes, sir. It's just, it's just competitiveness. You know what I'm saying? You see a guy break 20 yards, you want to break 40. That's just, that just how it goes. And I feel like that's why – um, Coach Cadillac and Ronnie had success because they not only worked hard, but they worked together. And um, when he broke one, I'm sure Coach wanted to break one. When Coach broke one, I'm sure Ronnie wanted to break one. That's just how it's going now. Like, when I break one, I'm sure they want to break one. You know, even with DeMar, the, re- the freshman that just got in, he – he, he's going to be great for Auburn, too. You know what I'm saying? we always been known for running the ball. How close are you and Jarquez off the field? we real close. You know, but that's my man. Uh, we hang out. You know, that's my man. Uh, talking about your game in particular a little bit, we know you can do both. We've seen you do both. When you get the ball in your hand, would you rather be trucking over somebody or would you rather break their ankles? See, what people don't know, they got me labeled as a power back. I'm really finesse. I can <laughs> finesse, but – you know what I'm saying? I just do what I got to do to get the job done at the moment. You know what I'm saying? If I don't got enough room to push them off his toes, I'm going to just put my foot on them or run them over or something like that. You know what I mean? But When y'all sitting in the film room and y'all are watching stuff, what gets the biggest ooze out of people is when you run somebody over or when you make them fall down and make them look juke. stupid? When you juke. That, that gets them? Mm-hmm. So then you like juking? Yeah, I like juking. But I, re- I will but run you, through you. <laughs> Tank, what's the biggest thing that uh, Coach Cadillac has taught you since your time at Auburn? You know, just the little things. He taught me that, you know what I'm saying, if you take the proper footwork, if you're on the proper aiming track, 90% of the time if you're doing that right, you're going to have good results on your run. So just the little things and – the big things that handle itself. And when the coaching staff came to you and said that you're going to represent Auburn at SEC Media Days this year, what was that like? I mean, it was an opportunity, you know. I took it, you know what I mean? And uh, it's a great opportunity, you know what I mean? I look at stuff like this as an opportunity and a blessing from God, you know what I mean? Because I wouldn't be here without God. So just thank him, you know. I thank him for this opportunity because people get to know me more and know who I am. You know what I mean? And also hear about this wonderful team that we have this year. So it's, it's, it's great. It's a blessing. And, Tank, I'm just glad you just said team right there. You just mentioned the team. Kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, there's all, there's all this noise going on. You've heard it. You've, I mean, it's, it's all this stuff. But, I, but I've heard that, like, you guys have, like, really pulled together. Yes, sir. And, and can you talk about that, like, how strong this team has pulled together as a team like you just said yes sir so this team man it's unbelievable like the jump we done made from last year's team and this year like it's unbelievable and 
change is the heart. I really believe change the hardest thing to do. Right. And the way we did it, it it's unbelievable. Like we we work, everybody on time, everybody doing what they're supposed to do, everybody handling their job, not worry about my job or worry about his job. They're handling their job and everybody's clicking. We don't have different groups like guys in when one it's a team. And right. that's the difference on this team like and, and you know, obviously everybody knows, you know, people in the media picking y'all, you yeah. know, down low or whatever. But how dangerous is this team? Like, when you just get everybody together, you know you, you know your guys on both sides of the ball. How, how dangerous are y'all this year? We, 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 we can be electrifying. And I mean electrifying where we can win it all. Because, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a hard man. Like, last year, I was saying we can win it all, but I knew we couldn't because everybody wasn't there physically right. and mentally. But this year – it's the energy I feel, and I'm going to keep hitting on it. And it's that energy where you know something good for that. So much to talk about with the quarterback room and Zach Calzada and T.J. Finley going into the year. I don't want to focus on that. I want to talk about the wide receivers because there's a lot of unknowns in that room. Cedric Jackson, the most known guy in that bunch. Who are the other wide receivers that folks need to be aware of this season? Coy Moore, DeZalen, all those guys. Those guys are going to come ready to play. Chick. Uh, we got Javaris Johnson. We got those guys that's that's going to be ready to play. Tell me about Xavier Capers, who's been there a few years. He and Kobe Hudson were shining as freshmen, more so Kobe, a season ago. But Capers coming back for another year in the program too. Xavier Capers, he's he's the real deal. Xavier Capers is the real deal, and that's all that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm Johnson Jr. We hear a lot about his speed too. How fast is that guy? He's fast. He's real fast. He's going to take it over the top. He's, we got a good receiver group this year. Let me wrap with this. Obviously, from LaGrange, Georgia, not only are we heard in Auburn, but the folks in LaGrange, Georgia are listening to the show as well. How much pride do you have in, in being from LaGrange and knowing that every single time you're introduced, it's Tank Bigsby from LaGrange, Georgia? Like, that's always sure. a part of that. What's that like? Well, I was born up here, but I'm, I, uh, I got I started. We moved to LaGrange. My mother got married. Uh-huh. And, I started playing ball down there. I got raised down there. So, you know, just being able to carry myself in manable ways, knowing people looking at me, knowing people listening, and they, you know, they can grow from me. You know what I mean? It means a lot for me to just keep going. You know what I mean? Just just for a, a kid that was my age one day can see that it's possible. You know what I mean? You still keep in touch with your folks at Callaway? Yes, sir. I still talk to Coach Wiggins and my uh, running back coach. He ain't there no more, though. You're picking Callaway to win it every year, though? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tank, thanks for the time today. It's great to see you. Thank you. That's Tank Bigsby joining us on Sports Call. Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM in Auburn. J.J. Jackson with Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy and now joined by Auburn football player Derek Hall here on the show today. Derek, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. Appreciate y'all for having me. Absolutely. What's today been like for you? It's been a great experience. Uh, just being able to be here, uh, get selected by Coach Harson to come represent this university here and just have the opportunity to meet new people, uh, make relationships, you know, that are possible to have a lifetime. And uh, just being here, man, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be in this position, and uh, it's, it's been great. In years past, were you always aware when Media Days festivities were going on? Like, did the guys that would get to go to Media Days, were you aware of all that taking place, or was that kind of something that you didn't really know of? Well, no, I mean, I, I was aware of it. I mean, I didn't know who picked, to be right. honest, but, I mean, I was always aware. I mean, coaches, I mean, Owen and Bo went last year, so uh, just seeing them go and seeing them do well, you know, 
I was happy for her, and now it's my time, and I'm, I'm blessed to be here. So, I mean, I've always been in the loop, and I'll, I've always watched media days ever since I was young. Uh, anything to do that, that pertain to football, I was always watching it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm blessed to be here. How much thought did you put into your soup today? Not much, actually. Um, <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah, so it looks good. It looks great. Yeah, I had this jacket last year, uh, so I'm big on suits. Like everybody else, spend their money on like, you know, Vinci and like stuff like that, and they're like, "Bro, you going to buy?" I like if y'all pay attention, I'll have a new suit every single game. Nothing will be the same. And they're like, "Oh, you going to spend money on this and this and this?" I'm like, "Well, you spend your money on this. I like looking good. I can wear these suits forever. You can't wear those clothes forever." So, uh, yeah, man, but. I love it. I, lo I love looking nice. There's so much talk about this program and obviously the events that took place in the offseason in Auburn were, were pro-Auburn 365 days a year. But to hear all of that outside noise, everyone's talking about how much closer together the team became because of oh, yeah. that. Why did that happen? Um, I just think the, the opportunity that we saw in front of us um, and, and the, the biggest thing about that was Coach Harsha having his job one day and it being – on the, the hot seat next day and, you know, not knowing if we're going to have our head coach or not. So that showed us a lot in the aspect of anything could be taken away at any moment, so don't take it for granted. And I think guys honed into that, um, just the opportunity uh, to be able to play at Auburn University. I mean, it's a prestige blue-collar university with a great football program, great academics. So um, I think guys realize, okay, like, you know, we, we have to go because this won't last forever, but also just being there to support our coach. I mean, we went to talk to the president, we went to talk to the – the board and um, you know they they heard us out and you know we're glad Coach Hart is still here with us and uh, we have the opportunity for him to be our head coach and it definitely brought us a lot closer uh, with that. Hey, talking about the team getting closer together, uh, I asked John the same thing. You know, there's no secret that people are are ranking Auburn pretty low. Right. Do, you, do you guys use that as motivation? Is is that something that y'all use as a motivation factor to you know, or is that something y'all just don't even look at? I mean. Me, personally, I don't pertain to the media as much, and right. we never talk about it in our locker room. But okay. I'm pretty sure it's in the back of everyone's head. Everyone knows that Auburn's projected to not be that great this year. And, you know, nobody really likes Auburn, and I'm pretty sure y'all know that. And, I mean, around the college football world, Auburn's hard to get along with, and that's okay. I mean, we like that. I mean, <laughs> we like the disadvantage, and, um, you know, we love this university, and this university gives a lot to our program. We're going to give a lot back. So, I mean, it definitely has fueled our fire. And and kind of sticking with that, you know you you know you you know the guys around you, mm -hmm. on both sides of the ball. You right. know that locker room. How dangerous is this team? Very, and I think people don't realize that. And uh, I don't want to speak too much on it because I mean sure. we'll have the fall to show that. But um, just the opportunity and, the, and and the work that we put in. I mean I know the work that we're putting in as a team, and this team is going to be very dangerous. Whether that be from the back end to the front end on defense, from the front end to the receiver, to the quarterback on offense. I mean, we're, we are cohesively moving in the right direction. This is the best feeling that I've had about Auburn in a long time. And, and everybody knows, y'all know Auburn is infectious. Basketball played well, oh. baseball played well, and it's going to carry right around the football. It is our turn. We saw, as uh, we're talking with Jared Call here on Radio Row at SEC Media Days, earlier we chatted with John Samuel Shanker about the fact that he was a two-sport star for the Tigers, getting to play baseball and mm -hmm. then football. We saw you on the diamond as well, hyping up the <laughs> Auburn baseball team going to the College World Series with Dylan Cardwell. Oh, yeah. Did you play baseball growing up? No, I did not. I played, <laughs> I played football. You looked like a natural. I played football, basketball, and track, but they edited that video. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I threw it. <laughs> I threw it over the plate. I mean, that was the only thing they told me to do. But uh, just having an opportunity, you know, to collab with basketball. And, you know, we're going to start doing more collaborations with them. And, 
you know, putting everything together. But, I mean, just having the opportunity to do that and support our baseball team uh, was huge. And, I mean, Dylan, it took took him a thousand times to hit it. But, man, all in all, it was fun. <laughs> uh, we had a great day, and it was it was good to do. But I know baseball isn't for me. <laughs> what What's your basketball game like? Oh, man, I'm pretty good. I think I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, um, having the opportunity to play basketball. I had uh, some college offers from, like, Southern Miss, South Alabama, Southeastern Louisiana. So, I mean, I had some D1s. It wasn't nothing major like this, but right. like, I, like I have for football. But I did have a few. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, basketball. So, we're ranking Auburn football players on the basketball team. You're one of the top picks then is what you're saying. Everybody don't think I am because I've only played one time. But uh, I, I believe so. I mean, <laughs> Simp and TJ and – Donovan Kaufman, all those guys think they could hoop, but they really ain't seen hooping for real. I told them I'm going to give them some before I go. So Derek, we'll it's, see. it's great to see you. Best of luck this season. Congrats on all your success, and thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you all. Where you go? Derek Hall joining us on Sports Call. Welcome back into Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, your flagship radio home for Auburn Tigers football. And now we're so honored to be joined by the Tigers football head coach, Brian Harson here on the show today. Coach, grateful for the time. How excited are you going into this upcoming year of football? Yeah, uh, the most I've ever been, really. And, and it's because of the, the players on this team, the coaching staff, just the work that I get to see every single day. I mean, it's, uh, it's been enjoyable to be around, and, and that's what's exciting. So, you know, one of the things of, of why I got into, into coaching, when I got done playing, I always wanted to be a part of a team. I didn't figure by myself I'd be very good. And, you know, it's that camaraderie and it's that uh, fighting for someone else, right? Playing for something bigger than yourself. And I feel that on this team. And so those are all the corny things that people don't talk about, but that's the stuff that really matters when it comes down to it. And I feel that from the players and the, and the coaches on this, in this program. And, and so I'm excited about that, looking forward to getting out there and competing with these guys. With one year in the books of SEC play, did anything surprise you about uh, going through the SEC schedule, whether it be – uh, some stadium atmospheres or, or the talent level, just anything that surprised you, both good or bad? All oh, these guys are fast. <laughs> yeah, the game is fast. You know, on the sideline there, I mean, it's uh, these are the best players in the country uh, every game we play in the SEC, and, and so are ours. You know, that's the beauty of it. And so when you get a chance to get on there, get out there and play somebody and to watch your guys compete and to compete against, you know, really good opponents, uh, the game is fast. But – the environments, they're fantastic. They're packed. People love football. I mean, it, it is a, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of life in the SEC, which is exactly what you want to be a part of. Um, and then, you know, really just dealing with everything else outside of what you're actually doing, all right, in your program and on the football field, you just got to be able to handle that. And I think that's a great test for everybody in the SEC, you know, all programs to be able to handle the, the noise. You know, we, we've all heard the rat poison. Well, all those things. You've got to be able to handle that stuff because it's there, and that's okay. But you as, a, as an individual in, on that team, in our program in particular, um, we've got to focus on the things that matter most to us and, and what are going to get us where we want to go, which is the present and the future. I mean, that's really been the message since January is just team want to know and focus on right now, focus on where we want to go. And I think our guys have done a great job with that. I want to go and ask about your go-to picture pose, Coach, because the finger has become just something that the fan base absolutely loves. Are you aware of how much people enjoy looking at the, the finger pose, what they call the recruiting yeah, finger? Yeah, Are you yeah, aware of that? Yeah, giving them the finger, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I, 
I don't really pay too much attention to that. It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of part of, of what I've done. And, um, you know, it, it, hey, look, whoever that person is, right, it's about them. Yeah. All right? Hey, it's about you is what that, what that comes down to. I want to end with this. Last year we were in the same spot chatting with you, and someone you were highlighting was Trevon Reed, who at the time was a co-host on our radio show yeah. and is now part of your staff. Man of many talents. What's, what's it been like working with him for this year? He's awesome. You know, he's got so much energy. He loves football. He's obviously doing the recruiting piece. Um, but nobody loves Auburn more than Trevon. And you know what? He does a great job with our players. He checks up on our guys and gives me – you know, information that, hey, if somebody needs something, I mean, that's really, you don't get to, you don't get to get to everybody's needs right. as a head coach. So you have people on your staff that can help you with that. And he does a phenomenal job, but uh, awesome, great energy, always positive, always helping our players. Um, you know, he's one of those guys now. He was a phenomenal, you know, first of all, best recruit out of Louisiana, right? Phenomenal player, all these things. But yet through the game of football, like it always does, right? I mean, there's a lot of you're humble. There's humility, and and you learn a lot. He's been so successful, and all he wants to do is help other guys achieve those same things. So I see him pour into our players as much as I've ever seen anybody do do that. So uh, love him, proud he's on our staff, and just glad that uh, you know he's doing all the things he's doing now. So much fun watching what he's been able to do. We have no football playing experience ourselves, so to see someone that was one of us yeah. now out there doing that's pretty awesome. It's awesome, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's and that's really what it's all about, right? Because hey, the game's going to end for everybody. Right. You don't go pick up and play a game of football in the park in pads and shoulder pad, you know, shoulder pads and helmets. So you know, it's over. But now that knowledge, he gets to share that. And, uh, you know, Zach Etheridge calls it free game. Yeah. There's a lot of free game in our building, all right, that those guys share every day. And if our kids are paying attention, it's professional development every single day. You're going to get so much out of what our guys provide to our players. Thanks for the time today, Coach. War Eagle. Yeah, War Eagle. Thank you. It's Brian Harson joining us here on Sports Call.